Caution. Learning in progress. Good morning, good afternoon, or whenever you may find this. Welcome back to another episode of Smarter Every Season. This is Paul Harms in the studio with me this morning. I've got Tyler Hubert, Hans Stutzman, and Nolan Kitterman, the four hosts that we normally get to listen to on this one. So how are you doing, guys? Good. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm doing good. Very nice to be back as well. Been a while since all four of us were together. Feels good. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a special spring treat. <laughs> Post spring, we're still in winter. Yeah, <laughs> but we're but we're talking about the common treat that we always get to do pre spring, which is that planner maintenance. And like we were just chatting before we got the the record button going, that every company and ourselves included have some form of a preseason maintenance checklist, right? Everybody does. I mean, deer, case, you name it. Everybody's got something that that's a good rule of thumb just to, as a reminder, hey, go through these. These are things that we've seen from years of experience working on this stuff. Kind of the the gut check before you start spring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, we, and we, we've focused on the yield is in the details and things of that nature for years. And that was instead of just hammering home or, or blazing through the list of check A, check B, check C, and making an 87-point checklist, we wanted to go a little different tack on it and, and kind of group it into the major sections and start the conversation of why are we doing those or why is that change so important? Yeah, and I think to take one step further, too, with the why behind this, Precision Planning is not a company that manufactures planter bars, right? I mean, we, we do offer a, a gray row unit or a row unit to our dealer network, but we are not a company, like I say, that, that manufactures that equipment. We're not dealing in steel that much. Right, exactly. So the why behind it for us is simply, as a company who makes aftermarket planter technology, no piece of technology can survive a poorly maintained planter. Right? And I think we're going to unpack... That's a, that's a really key statement. Yeah. Like, that's a really key statement. Yeah. And I think... We're going to unpack a little bit about how as we kind of go through um, our next few episodes, but that's the why behind the genesis of this whole idea. Why are we going to spend X amount of episodes going through planner maintenance? It's it's that for us. Yeah, and, and I'm sure all of us as husbands and fathers in this room have had the conversation with my significant other is, is a good example where sometimes that maintenance question comes up on, say, a vehicle or the washing machine of, yes, we should stop and service that. And as soon as there's the understanding of the why it's so important or what the potential risk is, it's a very easy conversation to allocate funds to get that taken care of. I ain't alone in that. No, you're not alone in okay. that. Okay. <laughs> we had that conversation. I, I think the look on all three of our faces was... You went there. We could tell stories, <laughs> but let's, let's just all agree and move forward. Yes. So, uh, just to give an overview of where we're going with this, we know there's going to be too much detail to try and capture into a single episode, and we're not known for being concise. We get a little long-winded. So, we're going to break this into, we think, about eight sessions and release those kind of in a quick succession and try and release them there for some posterity. Our first session is going to be where we talk about planter bar, leveling it, the height, and some of the general maintenance items on the system. Number two is going to be where we talk about row cleaners and parallel arms. Three is going to be our disc openers, gauge wheels, depth adjustments. That's really where we're diving into um, where the rubber meets the road, the ground contact kind of components. 
Number four is going to be where we talk about ketons or firming the seed into the furrow and, and the path that that seed travels from the meters down to the ground. Number five is going to be actually getting that seed metered, so both the meters and the drive system for it. Number six is going to be holding that row unit to the ground with our downforce systems. Number seven is going to be removing trace that we were there, any trace that we were there, so that's our closing systems. And then eight, we're going to tie it up with a liquid system kind of overview and talk about those details. Did we miss anything or anything else we want to cover? I think that's a pretty good wrap on the whole maintenance list there that we've gotten, the why we're going to be doing that. That seems pretty broad when you look at all of it, but when we break it down, you can go back to your story there of, okay, I need to take the time to do this, and this is the why. So first off, following up there, we're going to start into our first session, which is going to be where we talk about bar levels, bar height, and some of the general items that, that we kind of lump together all in all in and this is this is directly from you Hans of general items you had a couple on your list what were what were you after I mean just a couple of things that I think of is just general walk around the planter make sure your bar is inconsistent uh high all the way around but to, before even that I want to start with the tractor that's kind of my first place when I think about it is anything change we get a new tractor in this year um, that's going to have a different uh, setup, different configuration. Hydraulic outlets, do we have clean hydraulic hose remotes all the way through? And then um, tractor pressure. I, I Routinely, you're going to, on our farm, we routinely change the tractor pressure based on what implement we are pulling. So Tire pressure. Tire pressure, right? yes. Yep. And you're, um, you're running a different tire pressure in the fall than you are in the spring. Yes, yep. Because of what we're pulling with, whether it's a drawbar hitch versus a three-point hitch and how much weight you're carrying in the fall, changes how much tire pressure what your inflation pressure is and so the, the, go ahead. the impact of that for the spring pass is if we get it wrong the impact is what your your compress your pressure or your ground compression your compaction from the wheels are you going to be greater because of your you're running the incorrect uh tire pressure all right so those pinch rows that compaction around the root zones of those pinch rows is going to be increased so that's and there's been plenty of pinch row studies out there that can help point to the actual agronomic cost on that one right and then uh, along with that then it's just proper ballast we talked about the ballast as well um and so if you've added a liquid tank to it that year or this year or you remove the liquid tank and you stop carrying it from the, on the tractor knowing how you're correctly ballasting that's going to allow for you to carry um one is pulling capacity with the planter you will have to have less slip going through the field and that also leads to your compaction issue as well if you're carrying too much weight on the rear versus too much weight on the front you kind of want to spread some of your weight around but you also want to maintain enough weight to hold um, so you're not spinning throughout the field it's a great note tyler you had a couple comments you were thinking of uh, when it came to as we actually move on to the planter frame and the planter bar you were thinking of something around the markers can you comment on that yeah i think the big thing is i know that there are some guys out there that don't have markers or that remove their markers and I think it's just about keeping that front of mind that essentially what you're doing is taking weight off of the planter bar I think it's just a note to be conscious of replacing that weight so what I mean the, the whole mark marker assembly what is that maybe three four hundred pounds 900 to 1100 pounds okay so I was way off so I'm glad <laughs> I brought that up <laughs> but it's just a note that you're taking that off because it's essentially not needed right you don't need to be with auto steer, we don't need to be uh, having a point that the tractor can follow on our next pass. If that's chosen that they want to remove those markers, that's a full stack of weights going back on right. to replace that. Right, exactly. So I, it, it's just a note to be conscious of that. They're not just dead weight. Exactly. They're, they're useful weight. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they're, they're a weight that's that you want there. 
It may not be in the form of that marker, but their weight that you want there. Again, yeah. it's, it goes back to your tractor comment of ballasting. Correct, because you're trying to maintain weight across the bar. And we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. We'll go into detail in our in one of our later sections with downforce. But just a note, um, good one there, Tyler. Anything else on the planter bar that when we do our general walk arounds and we just do an inspection that we want to keep in mind, keep front of mind at that? What's the pains there that we're looking for? Well, I'm gonna tell a little bit of my dad here. So if you see my dad or know my dad, don't don't tell him what I said. <laughs> um, but. For me, one of the things that uh, that I kind of encourage my dad is like it's the one time in the, in the shop where we got plenty of time to go through and grease the planter from tip to tail. All your frame sections, all your your lift cylinders, everything on the frame can gr- be greased from tip to tail at this point. A lot of times, some of those are only weekly or some of them are annually, some of them are daily. But at least at this point in the spring when it's nice and warm in the shop, this allows you to get a full chance to get everything greased the way it's supposed to be. All your wheel bearings gets packed with a little grease. Just your general general lube for the for the entire year. Can That's be great. Done. Yeah, yeah, and I'd also add to that too. Is it'd be a good time just to just do an overall look. At, you could just do a quick walk around and just look at your hydraulic lines. Looking at your just if anything needs to be painted really quick, you can touch that up. Um, that kind of stuff. Because I do know of one year, uh, I had a phone call come in. Guy was trying to lift the planter, lower the planter, lift the planter, lower the planter. Didn't know what was going on. Thought it was one of our systems that was doing it. Well, he went back and finally looked, which he could have caught in the, in the spring, is that something had chewed a hole right by the block back from the lift cylinder. He couldn't see the, the oil spraying down on the ground every time that he was hitting it. But if he would have taken the time just to walk the lines a little bit, he would have made him catch that right away instead of right in the field big thing and those hydraulic lines are a big piece of it because stuff rubs over a year over the course of the the summer i mean last spring and then this spring you don't notice what what could be worn or frayed yeah yeah and i think i'd wrap up the general items in a if we should get a chance to talk through all the components on the why and and going through those details but if you've already done those and this is just kind of recap i would i would reassess where all the set points are on your row units i mean if you finished last year and it was finally dry and warm the way you had configured or set up that row unit is probably not how you started the season off so let's reset it while we have time let's get everything moved around where they need to be configured one thing paul that i would also say a call out on these this topic that we've covered so far these are not necessarily agronomic impacts at this point most of the conversations that we've talked about are, are a fair number, and the tractor ballast is one that isn't agronomic, but a fair number of these are actually, this will prevent you from planting. This will not hurt you agronomically. This is a planter down if you don't get it done. Yeah, that's where a lot of those come in are trying to forestall the planter down, and that's an, there's an agronomic cost to that. That's why we have high-speed planters today is trying to move as many of those acres into the optimal planting window as possible. And if we're fighting breakdowns or fighting settings or adjustments in the field uh, that's going to slow down our our acres per hour and we're not going to be able to get as many acres covered in the optimal window we want to Corey Mulbauer has always had a great point of saying any any planter configured anyway can be 100% successful in ideal perfect planting conditions but we don't always get to plant in ideal planting conditions so let's try to optimize those now that we've got some of the more abstract and the the planting window components Let's talk about the planter bar, the height, the level. Start off with the height. One, what's the right height? 
from ground to the bottom of the bar, I believe it's 20 to 22 inches. And this is the toolbar. We're talking about the toolbar where the parallel arms and attached. the row units are attached. Yeah. I, I will say the key takeaway there is rather than taking my word, most OEMs will call out what that should be. And it's going to be, it might be different based on different OEMs. Uh, like I think Great Plains is one of the ones that is kind of an outlier. I don't remember what their uh, call out would be, but the key takeaway here is consult your OEM. They should have that information, what it is. Generally, I think 20 to 22 inches is the standard. Okay, here comes the why. Why do well, I care? Why do you care? I mean, primarily what you're trying to do is establish that the bar height matches the parallel arm so that when the row unit, the, basically the height of the row unit itself, is that the parallel arms are running level. So the bar height and the top of the row units are basically running level. The parallel arms are running level going through the field is what we're trying to achieve by getting the correct bar height. Okay, so that's the that's the mechanical output of or the mechanical effect of making sure that my bar is at the right height. I get my parallel arms. You asked. Run. I had to get there first. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, so I'm just I'm just walking it down to the to the beginning. So I, I get my parallel arms where they're running parallel with the ground, level and even. That gives me the maximum amount of travel, both up and down. Where's the Where's the agronomic benefit? What's What's the gain that I get by being in the right range? So let me try and take a whack at this. Okay. Okay. You had mentioned earlier that Corey Mulbauer has said any planer can be set up for success in 100% right or perfect conditions. Yep. Right? And I'm paraphrasing that a little bit, so my apologies, Paul. But if you think about a row unit going through the field, there are depth stops, right? So if I lift the bar completely out of the ground, the row unit has to hang on something, right? It's a depth stop on a lower parallel arm. Yep. So if I encounter a hill, right, and my tractor and my planer bar go up that hill, the planter bar is going to be above my row units, so the parallel arms are going to be running uphill, right? Mm -hmm. The greater that hill, the faster I get to or the more likely I am to contact the lower depth stop of that parallel arm. The opposite is true if I'm then going downhill. Yep. So the sacrifice that I make of having parallel arms that are not running even to the bar is when I get into those outlier type conditions or... We say outlier. We're pretty flat here in Illinois. I've hit those depth stops going through waterways, coming along ditches. And there are a lot of areas of the country that hills are the norm. Yeah. <laughs> Flatlands are <laughs> the exception. Yes. Right? Um, so what happens essentially then is when we get into those dips and terrains, if we don't start with our parallel arms level from the get-go, we are going to get into a spot where we're contacting those depth stops quicker if we're already out of level when we start. Right, so we're predisposing that row unit to either run at the maximum or the minimum based on if we're too high or too low to begin with. And that can either force the row unit into plowing the fur on the ground, making a bulldozing effect if we're set too low, which would mean the row unit is riding high and more prone to catching the upper limits. If we're too high, our parallel arms are going downhill from the bar to the real unit. Now I'm lowering the amount of lower or downward travel, and I run the risk of shallowing up or lifting out of the ground. There you go. So to make a very obvious statement, once we've hit the lower depth stop, the row unit can't go any lower, right? So it can't go any deeper. And so I've then sacrificed planning depth. Cool. Yeah. So that's a great teasing a part of that detail there. And it really <laughs> helps explain that. I'd also add to that too, is one thing that we need to look at when we're going out and doing this in the spring too as we looked over the entire planner we see time and time again that those depth stops rust up 
the little mustache that's in there actually rusts and has a tendency to rust pretty well and can actually hold those gazer wheels up. So that's something that will cost us agronomically if we don't check those those stops there as well. Yeah, and you can always refine the part or piece where contact is being made after yeah. about the first 20 acres. Start looking around for all the new shiny pieces, places where anything rubs or touches. After the first field, take a quick rock walk through and you'll find what's rubbing where and it'll help point you to those faults. So stepping forward from the bar height. I want to make a comment on bar height. Oh, please. Before we depart. This should be done in field conditions. So we can set and try and prepare and be as, as prepared as possible. But you do need to do that while you're in the field. If you, if you have a nice fluffy soil, your ground worked up really soft, you pull into the field this year and you sink in and that bar is now three, four inches lower because we're compressing the soil and sitting down in there. Now I've got to adjust for that. That's really easy to do. Take them one wheel at a time. Each carriage wheel has uh, a mount location, multiple mount locations that you can attach. Just put all of the wheels except for one into the with their transport locks on. Leave that one row, lower the planter, that will suck the one wheel up, take all the weight off of it, get your impact wrench out, switch that location, work your way across the planter. Now you've adjusted the height on your planter very quickly. Uh, I have done this on a 36-row planter in the field, and it, it took three of us less than 35 minutes. So a couple power tools, a few guys working with you, and you can you can pound through it pretty quick. Yeah, that's a good note. You're not sinking in on the concrete shop floor. Ho- yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. And, and I know very commonly growers will see a difference end of year, beginning of year. So if there is some ability to adjust that, that's great. Uh, try and pick the middle of the road if you know it's going to be fluffy early and harder later or if I've got a significant transition between my fields of no-till or a firmer soil type versus a soft, fluffy, conventional tillage. That variation, you're going to try and you got to hit the, hit the middle. You're going to try and balance between those two extremes. That makes sense. So bar height, naturally, we step forward into the bar being level. Which bar? Okay. So this is the toolbar being level. Not the tongue? Because there's I'm a difference. T- <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm talking specifically about the toolbar being level. On the 7x7 seven seven bar that the road is mounted to. Exactly. But you bring up a good point, Hans. What do you mean when you say the tongue being level? Why is that important? So referencing the other part is that the the tongue is not as important to be level as it is at the top of the 7x7 bar. We have had guys before in the past that have leveled a planter frame based on the draft bar that goes forward on the long 7x12 draft bar on the center of the planter, which on some planters, that's nowhere close to level. That's like at a 10-degree angle to make the bar 7x7 bar level. So you're referencing the back of the 7x7 bar that you're referring to as level. Yes. Correct. With the one that the rodents are bolted to. So when I say level two, I mean this. There's two different ways to check this. Two different forms of level, in my mind, that we're looking for. What you're referring to is if I stood at the side of my 7x7 seven seven bar that the row units are mounted to. Correct. I should be able to put a level on top of it, and the little bubble would be right between my two sight, sight glass yep. lines. Yep. And from placing right? the level, I'm placing the level front to back. So my 7x7 seven seven bar should not be rotated forward or rotated back. Correct. Yeah, that's, that level is put, positioned with one side towards a real unit, one side towards a tractor. You're looking at it from the side profile of the planter while you're in the field. And that, that's where we should be level with that not rotated forward or backwards. Yes. And like you said, I am more concerned about my 7x7 seven seven bar 
being level than I am if my 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 Tone. tongue or my draw bar correct is a little bit. Some planners, some planners actually have to have the seven by the main tongue is actually running downhill significantly to get to a level level seven by seven bar. Okay, so then the next question would be, why do I care that my seven by seven bar is not rolled forward or rolled back? So it comes back to you again, your parallel arms, um, kind of how you're approaching your parallel arms and what you're doing with that. If you are taking your seven by seven bar and you rotate it forward, let's say it's tipped forward, that means that your top parallel arm is actually further forward than your bottom pair. The bolt holes would be further forward than your bottom parallel arms, which then tips the whole row unit forward and stands it on its nose. If you stand it forward on its nose, you've got several things that are working against you in the performance of the row unit. Now your no-till coulter or your row cleaners are digging into the ground and creating a furrow because they're tipped forward on their nose. Your disc openers, you've rotated the contact point of your disc openers further forward. You've changed the angle of your disc uh, or your seed tube coming out of the this row unit, and now your gauge wheels and your closing wheels are also hanging out in the back. You don't have the same force on your closing wheels, and you've also changed your depth too because your gauge wheel and your disc opener point has rotated and shifted forward as well. Okay, those are great. Let's let's walk through those one by one because those are huge. So first off, we've tipped that row unit forward onto its nose. Our row cleaners and coulters, the pieces out front, right. are more aggressive than what they were before. Yeah. Okay. So my row cleaner wheels are probably now not just moving residue, they're moving soil. Dirt. Yep, you're making right. a ridge at this point. All right, so I'm making a ridge apart off onto the side. Uh, my coulter, if I, ha- if I am using a coulter or any kind of knife out front, I'm probably going too deep. Correct, because now you are, you're, you're, remember, your whole row unit is waiting on your gauge wheels. That's the pivot point of what you're making this transition point on. So everything in front of the gauge wheels is going to go deeper, which includes this coulter. And generally, you're going to set your coulter. You don't want that set too deeply. This is We could do a whole session on coulters <laughs> here. Um, but just a quick reminder is that a coulter, you do not want the coulter deeper than your disc openers are. If you run the coulter deeper than your disc openers, you create a false bottom to your furrow, and now you have a chance for seed to fall past what the furrow is actually creating because you have a wavy coulter beneath that. So now I have variable seeding depth, which is variable seeding emergence. Right. Not smart depth of variable seeding, variable depth. This is true variable depth. Inconsistent error. Yep. And it's causing delayed plants, which is a yield hit. Yep. So that's the risk on the front end going forward. You talked next about my opening discs. I've rolled those forward and now I'm at a different contact point. What's my pain there? So when you rotate them forward, you've now changed. Your disc openers are set to have an angle both together at the, towards the front. So they're in line angle, but then they're also cambered in at the bottom. So that their contact point is set correctly so that they are slicing through residue at the correct proper location. Because you, you don't want too much soil coming up on a disc opener to try and cut through it. You need it to be less than 30% of the, of the disc opener height in order to cut through residue correctly. And so now you're tipping that forward, and your contact point of what you're actually creating your W plate, your 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 furrow, you've rotated and changed the angle of the pitch of where these two are contacting the disc openers. So we've got probably a different angle or shape to our furrow. It's probably yep. going to be narrower yep. than it should be, and it's also going to be less capable or uh, to cutting residue or more prone to sticking or catching or yep. grabbing residue. Yep, and now you've also sent it deeper because it's out in front of your disc openers as well. Okay, so we've got a false depth yep. or, or a deeper than we expected. Yep. That's great. Moving back, you said something about gauge wheels. So everything's pivoting on the gauge wheels. So the gauge wheels at this point shouldn't have been adjusted too much by tipping the row unit forward. That's just hanging the row unit. That's what it's resting on. That was the pivot location of this. If you were to tip the bar back, we're doing all these things in reverse based on the gauge wheel location. Okay. So 
following the gauge wells is what's after that would be your closing I would, system. I would actually go, you mentioned it earlier, but it would be seed tube. Uh, you, yes. If I've got my seed tube, that's that curve or that shape that's on that seed tube is intentional to allow that seed, if everything goes perfect at that, what is it, three to five miles per hour It range. is three to five, yep. If you drop that seed, it will pass down the, the length of the seed tube and never touch a side. Right, as it's released, it has some momentum going forward. It will drop and follow that arc as it leaves the contact with the planter. So ideally, there's no touch in that seed tube. If that occurs, and now I've tipped that forward, that seed fell, now it contacted that seed tube at an odd location, probably like dropping a ball or rocks onto a slide. If you drop it too far forward on that slide, it doesn't Slide. Catch and it slide. Bounces. It kicks out at weird random angles. So now you can get seeds popping out of the trench and flying all over. And that's yep. that's a catastrophe we want to want to avoid. Yep. You were going next to closing systems. Closing systems. Yep. Oh. Wait, I gotta slip something in here. I'd be remiss if I didn't do it. Fire away. Okay. I'm gonna channel my inner Roger Musselman. It's also gonna change the aggression of a Keaton seed firmer if it you're does. on a Keaton, right? It does. Yep. Talk about, you know, being able to do a full episode. If we had Roger here, I'm, I'm sure he would. I think we're going to cover that, actually, in one of the next sessions. Okay. So then I'll stop here and just say it will change the aggression it of. It will change the aggression of the Keaton seed Keaton seed firm. You are okay. correct in that. Or any other attachment between gauge wheels and closing system. I know there's multiples that are coming onto the market right now. Uh, FurlJet would be an example. Mm-hmm. Any mm-hmm. application tool. Now, my fertilizer placement. We'll talk about liquid later as well. My fertilizer placement or my insecticide placement, all of those get affected negatively. Yep. yep. And so we're talking closing was where we're headed yep. in this. But along with that conversation, though, you let's say you drop in a different style closing or an, an in-between style system that's got a liquid system and that actually extends the closing system. This magnifies this issue on your closing system in addition to affecting your liquid system as well because you push the closing system further back. But what you're doing is when you tip that forward, you decrease because we're past the pivot point now of the row cleaner or of the gauge wheels. We have decreased the effectiveness and the force applied by our closing system. So it's less likely to be able to fully close a furrow. Correct. And and the dangerous part of that is it's probably going to have enough force on it to close the top. But not the bottom. But not the bottom. This is especially susceptible on a V-style single stage closing system. Or any dual-stage system that doesn't have enough force applied to it, it's going to seal up the top, may look okay from the top, but it's going to be leaving a nasty little air pocket right around the seed. Yep, exactly. So that's way number one that a bar can be out of level. Way number two is if I stand at the back of the planter from behind, if I look left to right. Before you go there. Okay. The opposite could also be true if we've rolled that toolbar backwards. All of those things would happen, but in reverse. So I would be heavier on the back end, light on the front, which means my row cleaners aren't doing their job, my coulters aren't cutting deep enough, my opening discs aren't cutting deep enough, but my closing wheels are actually pressing too hard, and and I've got the potential of disturbing the seat or something of that. Just a little bit of housekeeping there. Keep going. Yeah, I don't think you heard Hans, but he said that. He so. did. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> oh, it's all right. <laughs> all right, scrap it, it that. Was, I, I didn't have it in such <laughs> complete Yeah, form. that was pretty so good detail. You, were, so. you got the detail perfectly on it. <laughs> Very good. Okay, I'll go ahead and pick back up. Um, way number two that the bar can be out of level is if I stand behind the planter bar and look from left to right, or even right to left for that matter, planter bar should be level looking that way as well. Right? So in other words... And this is more commonly seen on a CCS style planner. My 
my wings should not float, right? Or you've heard, you may have heard some folks say before, the planter bar shouldn't smile at me, right? My wings should not be flexed upward. And can you guys help me out? Why, why does that matter? Parallel arm travel, row unit travel. If I've got a left, say my left side is lower than my right hand side, as I'm standing behind the planter looking at it, if that left side is lower and the right side is higher, I've predisposed the right side to running out of lower and or lowering of that row unit where I'll hit the lowered up stop, shallow up, start shallow planting seeds. On the left-hand side, where I was already lower, I've probably affected my planter bar height. My row units are running higher than the bar, and I've reduced the amount of uphill travel. The big risk there would be if I hit a, a knoll or a knob or something where all of the weight of the row, of the planter could be hanging on the row unit or be supported by the row unit as it hits those step stops. And cast row units have been known to crack under those conditions at that point you're carrying almost the entire planter mm-hmm. on the row unit itself yeah yeah they, that, because that. it can't go up any higher yep that situation can exactly exist so Tyler, you mentioned on the ccs i also want to think this is a key thing to call out this is a very it can be very problematic on a three-point style planter because the entire planter is carried on two points lift points in the center of the tractor and if you get those you can easily get the, there's an adjustment on the left arms to try and equalize that and make sure that's level. If those are out of whack, by the time you get to the 30-foot out on the wings, you've actually got a lot of room to adjust that planter bar up and down by quite a bit. So on the three-point planters, it's especially important that that gets leveled because you can really get it out of whack pretty quickly. Yeah. Kind of coming full circle, too. We had brought up earlier in the conversation about markers, but talking on a CCS planter, when your wings do start to, to rise – Paul is 100% right. You start to affect your row unit travel. And this is where we can see taking off the markers exacerbate that problem, right? Exactly. So it kind of goes back to the conversation of making sure that we're accounting for the weight that we remove when we remove a marker sister, marker system <laughs> <laughs> and make sure that we get that weight put back onto the planter bar so we do have level parallel arms or even row unit travel. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I've gotten myself into a little bit of problem trying to move forward a couple times. So this time I'm going to stop and check with Paul. Any more notes to add to the bar being level? I have no other notes to add, I think. Do, you, do we want to talk about how you level the bar, the things, the key places to go level the bar? I think the OEM, the, the, the planner manufacturers are the best resource for that. Know that those resources are out there, and there's plenty of knowledgeable brains to walk through the how. I think we'll get into way too much detail and length if we yeah. try to dive into that. Let's focus on what the impacts are of that. And so for me personally, I think that kind of wraps up the, the first part where we want to start with some of the general items, the planter bar, height, and level. Uh, let's go ahead and pause here, and we'll be back with our next session. Uh, we're going to dive into row cleaners and parallel arms and how they can have an impact for us uh, and, and what we want to do focusing there.